Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Happy Halloween, Devils fans! What is going on, everybody? It is your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition, a very spectacular edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place, as always, to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day, a fantastic week. Uh, I hope you guys had a wonderful, wonderful Halloween. Uh, it's actually, interestingly enough, this is actually the first episode of the month of November, but obviously I'm recording this actually on October 31st, which is obviously Halloween. I'm also recording this right after the Devils game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll talk about that, obviously. But we have a bunch to talk about here on this episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly Greatly appreciated. This episode and everything that we do is sponsored by the wonderful people at DraftKings Sportsbook. When you use DraftKings and when you sign up for DraftKings, make sure to use our promo code THPN. So guys, we have a lot of really, really interesting things to talk about here. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is, is talk about the Devil's Halloween party. Uh, it was definitely a sight to behold. We got some pictures. Some of the players posted it on their Instagrams, and uh, we actually saw a group picture. And it, these guys definitely went all out, some of them more than others. Um, but one thing that, that definitely stuck out in that Halloween picture is a certain player who's right now injured, and we actually did get some news on him on Friday Friday afternoon, um, and it obviously wasn't the greatest amount of news, and we'll talk more about that as well. We're also going to be recapping the Devils game against the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh, their first road game of the season, and also we'll be recapping the Devils game at home on Halloween night against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, as you can see, 
We have a bunch to get through. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So the first thing that I want to discuss, like I just mentioned a few moments ago, is, of course, the Devil's Halloween Party. I'm not exactly sure where they ended up going. My guess is they went somewhere, whether it was in Jersey City or Hoboken, since that's where most of the players uh, live. Some of them had significant others with them. Some are bachelors, to say the least, particularly, I think, uh, Ty Smith and Jack Hughes. They definitely... Uh, they definitely had a lot of fun. And uh, if you haven't checked it out, just type in Devil's Halloween Party on Twitter or even on Instagram, and you'll find these pictures. I mean, they're absolutely uh, wonderful. I mean, you look at some of these guys. Uh, Ryan Graves was the Incredible Hulk, which I think was awesome. Like, he really, really came out. The guy that definitely – there are actually two guys um, on the team that I thought they did a tremendous job with their costumes, and that is Jonas Siegenthaler and P.K. Subban, uh, the line mates, actually. Subban was the Michael Jackson uh, zombie from his music video Thriller. Uh, he really, really did a good job with the face painting. The suit was perfect. You know, the, the attire he had on, the afro was awesome. Just an all-around really, really nice job by Subban. And then Jonas Siegenthaler – who interestingly enough looks almost identical to this guy, actually went as Salt Bay. Um, if you don't know who Salt Bay is, he's that famous, uh, I guess you'd call it cook, who, you know, he cuts meat. He's blowing up all over. He's been blowing up all over social media, TikTok in particular. And he, you know, he drip, you know, drizzles some salt there at the end when he's cutting the meat. Um, yeah, Siegenthaler, he looked like him even without the glass and everything. But once he put on the costume, it's crazy how much he looks exactly like Salt Bay. Um, some other guys that stand out, um, Jesper Bratt and his girlfriend, I think, are wizards from Hogwarts, I believe. I, I could be wrong by that. I'm just going off of the picture, and it's kind of hard to see. I love Michael McLeod, who's like kind of in the middle of the picture. Uh, he's Ash Ketchum, and he looks kind of uh, looks like he's had a couple. He's had a couple of drinks and is having himself a good time. Dawson Mercer is the cat in the hat. He kind of stands out. Nico Hishier, who is actually um, looks like he's a crook, like a convict. He's on the uh, he's on the shoulders of Frederick Gautier, who's a banana. So that's kind of fun. And then the two best friends, Jack Hughes and Ty Smith, are thing one and thing two, which is absolutely hilarious. Uh, it's also good that we actually got to see Miles Wood as well, since we haven't seen him. And it's good that we see Jack Hughes as well. It's great that all of these guys are together and they're doing well. Andreas Janssen, it's you know some his uh, his girlfriend or wife is putting up a peace sign, so it's kind of hard to see. Jonathan Bernier is a uh, is a doctor. I'm not sure exactly where that's from. Um, I'm sure some of you could take a guess. Uh, looks like Michael McLeod's girlfriend is actually a uh, Pikachu, which I guess makes sense considering McLeod is Ash Ketchum. But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think everybody did a tremendous job. Uh, absolutely love to. Uh, Love to see it. Love to see it. Um, I also want to say this. Uh, Christian Jaros, uh, who's dressed in a white shirt and black tie. I Maybe he's going as a Mormon. I'm not sure. He's got the dark sunglasses on. He might be one of the best looking veteran players we have on this team. I mean, he looks dapper. It's really impressive to see. So all in all, it looks like these guys had a great time. It's a great picture. Um, probably on the, um, you know, the image that I create every week when I post new episodes, I'll probably have this picture up so you guys can take a look at it for yourselves. But again, you could also just look it up on Twitter and you'll find it 100%. Now, the reason also that I wanted to bring this up is because we get a little bit of an important thing to, to kind of discuss that kind of, you know, transitions us to the second topic that I want to discuss. And that is about Jack Hughes. In this picture, and again, you know, just go on social media, you'll see it. You'll see that Jack Hughes is actually in a sling. 
Uh, it's over his right shoulder. He has the sling and he has his left arm resting within the sling. So that kind of tells you that he's definitely dealing, you know, his separated shoulder is actually pretty bad. Um, and again, a lot of Devils fans were asking, particularly, you know, people within the Devils media company team, Amanda Stein, whoever, if they had any update on Jack Hughes. Because if you remember last week, the Devils announced that they, that, Jack Hughes was going to be out with a separated shoulder and they would reevaluate him in a week. Well, it was a little bit over a week and we still had not heard anything. And we finally ended up getting an answer to what Jack Hughes' situation is on Friday. And it was revealed it will be at least five weeks until the Devils forward can even skate again. He is going to be reevaluated for that shoulder injury then. So all in all, if you want to count even last week, Jack Hughes is going to be out at least six weeks with that separated shoulder. Um, the way the Devils presented the injury, uh, it sounds like it, it's it's honestly good news. I think that's the thing that a lot of us take away. His shoulder is stable one week after the original injury. Uh, he still won't require surgery, and all those are good news. There are no unforeseen issues. Um, plus, he's also on course with his rehabilitation process, as the Devils uh, said. So all in all, all those things that the Devils told us in public are all good news, that it didn't sound like to me and to a lot of people that this was something that was super, super severe and maybe even potentially a lingering thing. But I do want to put out some caution because I don't want to come off as sounding pessimistic or negative. And I understand if you feel that way, but just knowing how things have worked before in the past with some of our main guys getting hurt, like I'd mentioned before, guys like Mike Camilleri, guys like Taylor Hall, where we get relatively good news, but we don't really know the extent or how long these guys are really going to be out. And the worst part about all of this is five weeks is not the timeline for the injury. It's not. It's really, it's not about where in five weeks, Jack Hughes is going to be back on the, is going to be back in the lineup. That That's only that's only when the devils will be able to reevaluate him again. So the devils are giving him five weeks to rehab and get himself going before the devils can allow him to start practicing, getting on the ice and really getting himself more or less back into full game shape uh, to give you guys an understanding of really how long, at least for now, Jack Hughes is going to be out. There are 18 games in the next five weeks. So the devils are going to be without number 86 uh, for a considerable amount of time. Uh, he's guaranteed, as we mentioned before, Hughes is guaranteed to miss every single one of those games. And it's almost impossible that he's going to play immediately after that injury reevaluation. Re he might miss another three, four games after that because he's going to need time to get back on the ice, get strong, and have the doctors feel 100% comfortable that he can get back to playing. And that's just pretty much what it is. And, you know, look, he still needs conditioning. He may actually have to go down to Utica to play a little bit and things like that. It's so really, when you look at this whole situation, yes, we know for a fact that definitely Hughes is out for five weeks, but the question is how much longer after that is he going to be out? And we don't even know if he's going to be at a hundred percent by the time those five weeks are up, he might need, need even more time. The hope is, is that once we get past five weeks, that the devils will give us another update and that they're at least relatively honest with us. I understand how in the NHL and particularly with the devils, they, they really don't do a necessarily good job of keeping us really informed with what's going on. And they try to keep it very hush hush as they progress. The hope is, is that the devils are not hush hush about this. And they're just honest with the whole fan base because look, 
I'm not going to sit here and say that Jack Hughes is definitely going to be out the rest of the season, but with a separated shoulder and just knowing how, the severity of it potentially, there could be a case that he may be out long-term, that we may not see him till January, maybe even after the Olympic break. We don't know. And like I mentioned before, it's incredibly frustrating because he got off to such a good start, already had himself a couple of points, already had himself a couple of goals, and then he gets hurt in the first period of just the second game of the year. And that's just really gut-wrenching. And you look at the last couple of games, um, the Devils just haven't fully 100% looked like themselves since Jack Hughes got hurt. You look at the Washington game, they look like that they really needed him. Um, you know, the Buffalo game, they were struggling at times, even though they won the game, they were struggling offensively and they definitely were missing that type of impact that Jack Hughes can make on the ice. He was arguably the best player on the team through the first four periods of the season. And he was primed to have a breakout year. And I know for Jack Hughes in also a contract year, because we have to, you know, we have to see what type of contract extension the Devils can give him. It's frustrating when he's again spending more time on the on the you know off the ice, not playing with the team and being hurt. And it's it's definitely got to be a frustrating thing for him and the Devils organization as a whole. So, and then you look at even Calgary, the game that I went to. I mean, they they just looked lost. I mean, yeah, they they end up losing five to three, but still down four nothing in the first period. They they definitely miss Jack Hughes a lot. They do, and. The sooner that the Devils can get it out of their minds that they're not just going to wait around for Jack Hughes to get back, the better. The, the best way that they can move forward with this and understanding is just saying, next man up, somebody's got to come up and make big-time plays and win us some games. So that if and when Jack Hughes does return, he could just return while the team is going and we could have a seamless transition with him and he could just elevate the play of everybody like he was doing before and we continue to compete. That's really the whole thing here. So... The bottom line with it all is that, yeah, it is definitely frustrating that he's going to be out for um, at least another five weeks. And again, we don't know what the situation is going to be by the time those five weeks are up. I don't know if the Devils will give us updates as these weeks go along. I doubt it. I think that most likely we won't know anything until those five weeks are up. So again, for the next five weeks at least, Jack Hughes will still not be on the ice with the Devils as he continues to recover from a separated shoulder. Um, so Wishing Hughes all, all the luck. Glad to see that uh, rehab has gone well so far. And we're hoping that he can get back and be fully healthy and better than ever sooner rather than later. So now let's shift over to the first of the two game recaps that we got to that we got to discuss here. And the first one is obviously the Devils taking on the Penguins in Pittsburgh back on Saturday, October 30th, 2021. It's the Devils first road game of the year after starting off the first five games of the season at Home and the Devils obviously know this is not really a long, as a matter of fact, it's not even really a road trip. They're there for a day and then they go back or a day and a half and then they fly back to Jersey because they got to play Columbus at home the very next day. So this is a very quick little road trip to say the least, but the Devils finally get a chance to play on the road. Um, the road was actually very kind to the Devils last year. They had a lot more success on the road than they did at home. But they've gotten off to a decent start at home, like we mentioned before, three and two. And the hope is, is that going into this game, the Devils uh, were able to generate some success and get up on the right foot playing away from the Prudential Center. Uh, we did also get some really good news. Uh, earlier in the week, Nico Dawes was sent back down to Utica, which pretty much told us that one of Jonathan Bernier or Mackenzie Blackwood 
would be back in the lineup. And it ended up actually being Jonathan Bernier. But talking about Blackwood really quickly, he actually spoke to the media uh, prior to the Devils leaving from Jersey to go to Pittsburgh. And he said, well, first of all, he was talking about the decisions that came with, you know, him deciding to finally get vaccinated. And he said, really, when it came to getting vaccinated, that it was all about, number one, uh, being able to be around his teammates. He, he wants to you know, be there for him and understands that this is a very selfless thing that he's doing for himself and obviously for the entire team, for him to be fully healthy, even in that situation, so he can play in those games in Canada. And also, he wanted to do it for his family and also understanding that he does have an opportunity to potentially be one of the three goaltenders going over to the Olympics to represent Canada. So there's a lot of pressure on him and a lot of opportunities for him. And he's making the right decision. He also says that with the, with regards to practice, you know, he's had a several, he's had a handful of practices, you know, as, as he's still been recovering from offseason heel surgery. And he says he's feeling really, really good. Um, and the way that everybody's talking, it sounds like almost like it's only a matter of days until the uh, Devils uh, bring Blackwood back into the team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if sometime this week he comes back. Um, but, you know, that's really where we are with, with Blackwood. So that's a great thing. John DeBernier ended up being the one that was uh, brought back into the team after he was out the last couple of days, a couple of games with a nagging injury. And he actually got the start in this one. And, it, and it's really good because Jonathan Bernier got off to a really solid start, winning both of his first two games and just being really, really solid in net. And that's exactly what Tom Fitzgerald and this Devils team was looking for when trying to get a backup goaltender. They were hoping to get that with Corey Crawford, never got the chance. Now they have Jonathan Bernier, and he's looked good so far. And so I felt relatively confident going into this game with Jonathan Bernier back there. And I have to tell you guys, the more that he plays and the more success he has, the more and more confident that I get and the more that I believe the Devils have finally you know, taken a turn for the better when it comes to having a solid goaltending tandem. Um, but Blackwood actually didn't even suit up for this game. He did travel with the team. Both Bernie and Blackwood joined the Devils for this trip. Uh, Scott Wedgwood ended up being the backup in this one. The biggest thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins is that Jeff Carter returned to the lineup after I believe he's on the COVID list. And Sidney Crosby, who was dealing with a wrist injury and wrist uh, surgery, would be making his season debut. And it was just one of those things where it was like, couldn't he have come back next game? Did he really have to come back against us? And you knew going into it, okay, the, the Penguins are still not at full strength, but with Crosby back and also Jeff Carter coming back into the lineup, the Penguins are a lot stronger. So you knew the Devils were going to have their hands full going into this one. And the Penguins got off to a really, really good start right away in the first period. They peppered Bernier with a lot of shots, and he had to make a lot of really, really good saves, and he did. He was really, really was really on, on top of his game. He didn't look like he really missed a step at all, even though he'd been out for several games with an injury. But the Penguins continued to press, and their hard work would finally pay off with 7.37 to go in the period as Dante Heinen scored on a rebound on um, a situation where Ricola took the actually tried to make a pass in front to former devil Brian Boyle, and it went right through his legs, right to Heinen, and Heinen just was able to get over there in time with a little bit of opening on that right side and beat Jonathan Bernier to give the Penguins the 1-0 lead. For Heinen, that was his fourth goal of the year, Aston Reese getting his first assist, as well as Ricola. So the Penguins coming out the exact way that they wanted to, frustrating to watch from the Devils' perspective because it felt like, okay, this looks like it's going to be a long night. It doesn't seem like the Devils are really, really with it yet, and they're still 
um, struggling from the last game against Calgary. And that was kind of the big thing going into this game. What type of response will we get from this team after a very lackluster and disappointing and pretty much frustrating performance against the Calgary Flames earlier this week? But in that situation, you know, the, for basically the three quarters of that first period, it, it didn't look good. But after that, I would say really much after that, from the end of this period to the end of the second period, it was all devils. It was one of the best parts of the season that I've seen this team play. And granted, it's only the sixth game of the year, but the devils just looked good in all facets, defensively blocking shots, getting opportunities, creating opportunities, going down the other way in the ozone, and just playing really, really solid hockey and giving the Penguins a lot of problems. And that type of pressure ended up eventually paying off with about 36 seconds to go in the period. Uh, it started with Jesper Brack coming down the right side, using the power move, didn't get enough to get a shot on goal, but it went right over to a wide open Janssen, who it looked like to me he was trying to get a deflection in front from Dawson Mercer. It ended up hitting the back skate of Evan Rodriguez, who was covering Mercer and redirected into the net to tie the game up at one. And at first we thought that was Dawson Mercer, but then we saw in the replay, it just hit off of Rodriguez and in. So the goal ended up being credited to Andreas Janssen, who got a second of the game, second of the year, excuse me, Jesper Bratt, who we talked about in the last episode, needing to step up after a dreadful first five games of the year, gets his first point and first assist of the year. Dougie Hamilton got the secondary assist, getting his fourth of the year. And that's where things stood after one period, one-to-one. So again, Bad start to the game, but good finish to that period. Devils able to get a big momentum goal at the end there to tie the game up for one going into the second period. And going into that second period, and once it started, the Devils picked up right where they left off and really dictated the pace and flow of the game. It just seemed like that they were just one, potentially two steps ahead of Pittsburgh. That Pittsburgh just looked like that they had a really tough time containing the Devils' speed. And I think that's one of the biggest things that this, that this Devils team really has going for them. They just generate so much speed and have so much success using it that once they get it going, they're just a hard team to face. And that was the case, particularly here in the second period. And it just continued to go. And But both teams just couldn't generate anything. Both Jari and Bernier just really started to lock in and made a lot of really good saves to keep the game uh, even at one goal apiece. And then we get to about two, two and a half minutes to go in the period, the Devils go to the penalty kill off a Tatar tripping penalty. And it was one of those penalties where you looked at and you said, that is a frustrating one, especially because you're into the final two minutes and you're worried about Pittsburgh getting a late goal to grab the momentum going into the final 20 minutes of play. But the Devils actually were able to catch a break and it was created by Jimmy Vesey on the penalty kill as he blocked the shot. It went right back to the Penguins defenseman. But Vesey, you know, very wisely with his stick, made a great poke check to have it go off the boards and go out. Vesey, using his speed, was able to get it. Go on a breakaway all alone. Went from his forehand to his backhand, through the legs of Tristan Jari and into the back of the net. And the Devils grabbed their first lead of the game on a shorthanded goal. And obviously there was a uh, Penguins fan with a cowboy hat, I guess, the, I guess a, a premature celebration to Halloween, um, who gave Beasy the double bird, which was actually kind of fun to see. Uh, the Devil's social media team used it uh, for a meme, which the Devil's social media team is A plus for doing that. They, they are tremendous. They're, whoever's in charge of that is just doing one hell of a job. And he needs to get a, a raise because of how much entertainment he's brought 
to us Devils fans. But the Devils grabbing that two-to-one lead late in that period. VZ getting his second goal of the year. And it was just a big-time goal. And the Devils would go into the third period with a two-to-one lead. So when you look at it after 40 minutes, you, you clearly say, okay, now it's really just been all Devils. But the question is, how can the Devils can the Devils find a way to continue this and put it put it in another goal or two and put this game away and really come away with a solid victory? Um, and at first it looked like that was going to be the case, but then the Penguins just kind of got a break. Uh, and it came with 2.02 into the third period as uh, Teddy Bluger was to the left behind the net um, by Jonathan Bernier. And he kind of just threw the puck out in front and Brock McGinn was wide open without hesitation, just kind of on a, you know, not like a one-timer, but just right off the cup, just went a wrist shot over the right shoulder of Jonathan Bernier and into the back of the net. And the Penguins were able to tie the game at two. So McGinn got his second goal of the year. Teddy Bluger with his first assist and Aston Reese with his second assist and second point of that game. So at this moment, you know, just, you know, with 1858 to go in this period or excuse me, 1758 to go in this game, the game is tied at two. And that's where I kind of felt very uneasy that said, Oh, this is not good. Now the penguins have the momentum. The game is tied. Now is this where, like we've seen in years past, is this where the penguins just kind of take over and the devils can, you know, end up not finding a way to win this game. Well, both goaltenders, again, just decided to lock down. The teams would trade some really good chances. Uh, Michael McLeod in particular, if you go back to that second period, he had a breakaway uh, that got denied. He had, he had a situation where he was all alone in the slot, and he tried to just go basically far side on Jari, but he made the save. Sharon Govich came down basically by himself like he normally does, took a shot that beat Jari, but hit the top post. And Sharon Govich, I'm really hoping that his luck starts to turn because it's very frustrating to see him not being able to produce the goals that we've seen him produce before. But again, only six games in. Let's not panic about it too much, but it's, he's definitely got to get going. But the Devils did have some opportunities, and you really saw and you looked at it and you said, gosh, is anything going to go go in this situation? And it looked like as we got further and further into this period that it was going to end up having to go to overtime. Well, then that's when things got interesting. With exactly three minutes to go, Jesper Bratt was coming down and he was crashing the net looking to try to get a rebound. And he was knocked down from behind by Sidney Crosby and Bratt ended up going into the net. The refs blew the whistle and my immediate reaction was, okay, Crosby's going to get a penalty. We're going to go to the power play. The ref, without any hesitation, just pointed to center ice and called a penalty shot. And I was stunned by that because I looked at the play and I, and I say to myself, you know, you can make an argument that it's definitely a penalty, without a doubt, but a penalty shot? I don't know. It, it's, it's, you know, it's tough to say. It really was a tough call. I can understand the Penguins' frustration, but look, the Devils, for a long time, have not gotten calls like that, and it was nice for once to get a, get a break like that. But Jesper Bratt, with a chance on a penalty shot, for him to get his second point of the game and most importantly, get a goal late in this period to tie the game. And he went down, he kind of made his, he made a circle attempt and then got the puck, 
went all the way to the far right side, came in, went from his forehand to his backhand, and beat Tristan Jari Lowe's side and scored and gave the Devils a 3-2 lead with just three minutes to go in the game. And it was just great because we've seen in years past how the Devils have really struggled in the shootout penalty shot situation where it's one-on-one. But Jesper Brack, who has scored a lot of goals with that same type of move, go back to the shootout goal he scored against Ottawa. I'm not surprised that he was able to score. And that was huge, absolutely huge. But you knew three minutes is a lot of time. And the Devils, and we we knew the Devils were going to have to find a way to either somehow protect this one goal lead or get another goal and put this one on ice. And we ended up, we ended up having a very funny situation. And it came a minute 17 later. Uh, the Penguins had the puck and they were looking to just move it up the ice and get into the offensive zone to allow Jari to uh, to come out for the extra attacker. And the Penguins got it about three quarters of the way down, right by the Devils' blue line, and Jari started to make his way to the bench. And a good job by P.K. Subban to kind of poke check the puck away from the Penguins' defender and went back towards the Penguins' bench. And Andreas Janssen got the puck. Jari, who was almost at the bench, actually came back tried to get in front of Janssen to prevent him. Janssen just skated around him. And even though there was a Penguin defenseman there, Janssen was able to fire it into the empty net and score to make it 4-2. to two. And Janssen getting his second goal of the game, his third of the year. P.K. Subban getting his first point, his first assist of the season. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where the game ended as the Devils come away with a massive 4-2 victory on the road in their first road game of the year against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And for Jonathan Bernier, 3-0 to start the year, 3-0 to start his, his tenure with the Devils, he becomes the second goaltender in franchise history to win each of their first three games with the club as he joins Al Smith, who did it with a 3-0-0 record starting in 1980-81 when the Devils were still the Colorado Rockies. The Devils improved to four and two moving forward to their game on Halloween night against the Columbus Blue Jackets at home. And the two guys, I will say, that really have stepped up in these last couple of games and have really looked good are Jimmy Vesey and Andreas Janssen. Vesey has become almost like the new age, not new age, but he's become now the new Blake Coleman. He's done really, really well on the penalty kill. He had more than one breakaway in this game. He had a breakaway in the third period that he almost scored on. He had, I think, three, four, maybe even five shots on goal in this game. He was tremendous on the penalty kill. And he is somebody that has become a very scrappy player, but he has scored some really big-time goals. He scored a big one against Seattle, and now he scores uh, a big one shorthanded on Pittsburgh. And Jimmy Vesey has really found a solid role with this team. And it's really great to see. We know what VZ had to offer when he came out of college. We know the Devils almost had a chance to bring him in originally, but it's better late than never. And I've really been enjoying the way that he's played and the role that he has on this team. And I'm expecting him to continue to have a lot of success and continue to help this team moving forward. And Andreas Janssen, look, say what you want. 
he had a really bad first year in New Jersey. And, you know, we talked about all the reasons why he had that bad year. But you look at the way he started this year. He's got himself a couple of points. He's got three goals already this year in just six games. And he's developed really good chemistry, particularly with Dawson Mercer and Tomas Tatar, um, more particularly with Dawson Mercer. And you're starting to see Janssen produce the way that the Devils expected him to produce when they originally acquired him last year from the Toronto Maple Leafs. And this is great. Because this is a guy that we're going to need. He's a guy that's expected to be a top six winger, and he's performing like it right now. And if he could have more games like this, the Devils' top six only gets stronger from there. So both of those guys in particular have really stepped up. Jonathan Bernier off to a fantastic start, really showcasing himself as not just a 1B goaltender, but a guy that very well could be the starter. I'm not saying that, that Mackenzie Blackwood isn't our starter, but... I mean, if Bernie's going to keep playing like this, how could you not want to have him playing the majority of the games? Um, but I, I mean, you know, once Blackwood gets back, he's going to start playing a lot. But just knowing the fact that we have Jonathan Bernie out there making really good saves, he had four or five cross crease saves that he made that were phenomenal in this game. He robbed Jake Gensel. He robbed a couple of other guys. And it was just phenomenal to see him make those saves and give everybody, the team, the fans, everybody just so much confidence that when he's in net, he's not going to give up soft goals. He's going to be back there and make the necessary saves to keep this team in it. And those are all the things that you really love to see. So just an all-around really solid performance by the Devils in their first road game of the year, winning it 4-2 to two and moving their record to 4-2-0 and oh to start the year in just six games which is the fewest of any team so far here in the NHL. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So now we shift over to the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, obviously on Halloween night. Devils looking to try to get back-to-back wins, improve to 5-2, and two, and really just continue to get off to the right start this season. First time this year the Devils were playing back-to-back, so obviously a little bit tired and still with a decent amount of emotion coming off a big victory the night before against Pittsburgh. And it was already the sixth home game of the year for the Devils. And it's one of those things where, you know, obviously as a fan, you're kind of happy about the fact that the team has been home so much. Um, And it's good because again, we had talked about how the Devils last year really struggled at home, albeit we didn't have fans, but really, really struggled at home. And I think it's important for this team with the amount of home games they have to start the year to get up on the right foot, build that confidence, get the fan base behind them. 
and kind of go from there. And they're taking on a Blue Jackets team that's been up and down. And the reality of it from the the um, the Columbus Blue Jackets situation is that they're a rebuilding team. So going into it, you felt relatively confident that even though the the Blue Jackets have a decent amount of talent uh, with several guys, you know, Patrick Laine, Jack Roslevic, Oliver Bjorkstrand, um, even bringing back uh, Jakub Voracek, that you still felt relatively confident the Devils were going to be able to have success. I felt very, very confident going into this game. And it showed right away, a minute seven in, a gorgeous pass behind the net from Jesper Bratt right to Andreas Janssen, and he's able to fire a top shelf past the far side of Corpus Salo to give the Devils the one nothing lead. And for Janssen, that's three goals in two games. He has all of a sudden become red hot, and you can really see how Janssen's confidence and belief in himself is coming up more and more and more, and that's just great. We talked about him really taking a bigger role as a top six winger, and he has proved it so far this year, really getting himself going. Uh, P.K. Subban got an assist as well on that. Both Brett and Subban's assist, those were their second of the year. Janssen's goal was his fourth. But then I'll be very honest with you. The rest of that period, the Devils looked really bad. Um, they looked very similar to how they came out against Calgary last week. They just, start, they just sort of allowed Columbus to then dictate the pace of the game. And it, it became very, very frustrating that the Devils went from having so much energy in the first three, four, five minutes to then just not, you know, going back to playing defensive, conservative hockey. And the Columbus Blue Jackets made the Devils pay. It started with the Blue Jackets. Jackets scoring at the 11.55 mark on the power play by Oliver Bjorkstrand right in the slot. Um, Bjorkstrand getting his fourth goal of the year, his ninth goal of his career against the New Jersey Devils. He's just one of those guys that when he plays the Devils, he just gets himself rolling. He just continues to play super well. And he really, really showed it here in this game. Voracek and Line with assists on that. Voracek getting his sixth, while Patrick Line getting his fifth. And speaking of Patrick Laine, about three minutes later, a bad turnover in the ozone leads to Laine coming down the left wing, and he actually gets a one-time slap shot from a great pass from his teammate, Jakub Voracek, and he goes top shelf over the right shoulder of Wedgwood. And it was one of those where you can't fully blame the goaltender because it's just one hell of a shot, but it just gets frustrating when you look at the, the Blue Jackets. Three you know, In a span of three minutes, they went from being down one nothing to being up 2-1. to one. And again... Things just continued to get frustrating because it just felt like the Devils could not regain the energy that they had had before, and the Blue Jackets took advantage of it. And Lining scoring, getting just his third of the year, Borchek with his second assist of the game, getting his seventh assist on the year. And that's where things stood after one period of play. And you look at the situation and you look at everything. It was 13 to nine with the shots on goal in that first period. At one point, it was 13 to four. I mean, it was really, really ridiculous that the Devils were just allowing Columbus to do whatever they wanted, and they weren't responding. And again, it was still a struggle as the second period began, and you just wondered to yourself, were the Devils going to find a way to get back in this game? And eventually they would, and it would come from their hot rookie, Dawson Mercer. Gets the puck behind the net, does a wraparound kind of surprising Corpus and he's able to squeak it just past him to tie the game up at two. And that was a huge goal to finally get the energy back on the team, on the bench, and in the crowd. Uh, Mercer getting his third of the year. P.K. Subban with his third point in two games, getting his third assist of the year, his second one of the game. So P.K. Subban, from an offensive perspective, is starting to pick it up a little bit, which is obviously a good thing. But then 
But then a little over a minute later, about minute 17 later, the Devils have the puck again in the Ozone. Nico Kiescher has the puck on the left side, dumps it off to the top of the blue line to a streaking Dougie Hamilton. Big time slap shot, and he's able to beat Corpusala about you know, you know through a screen, a good screen by a couple of guys, and the Devils in a minute 17 go from being down two to one to regaining the lead, now leading three to two. Dougie Hamilton getting his second goal of the year. Nico Kiescher and Zach and Pavel Zaka both getting assists. Both of those were their second of the year. And at that point, you go now to the end of the second period. It's three to two. And so you're looking at this and saying, okay, we need to get another goal or two and we're going to win this game. I felt very, very confident that the Devils were going to find a way to win this game. And you looked at it and you saw that through the first 10 minutes, everything was going well. The Devils were playing really solid defense. They created a couple of good opportunities. You really felt like from the second period to the end of this game, the Devils were far and away the better team. They outplayed the Blue Jackets by a lot. They really, really dominated this game. And it just felt like it was a matter of time before the Devils were going to score again. And there was a situation with about seven minutes to go, seven and a half minutes to go. Dougie Hamilton gets the puck at the top of the blue line. He takes a shot. Corpusal makes a save. There's a scramble in front. Nico's right there. And I'm expecting them to score right there and put this game on ice and really and really, you know, put it away. But Corpusalo just continued to have himself a really, really solid game. And then you get to about five and a half minutes to go in this game. And Ty Smith has the puck on the far left side. He tries to just dump it out of the zone. It was actually intercepted by a Blue Jackets player. And then also, and then it was regained by Boone Jenner. And the puck was just kind of fluttering around. And he just kind of threw it at the net. And it somehow got past Scott Wedgwood on the far right side and into the back of the net. And the Blue Jackets at the 14-35 mark of the third period tied the game up at three. And honestly, I think that even though it just tied the game, I think it lost the game for the Devils because I think that they looked at the situation, looked where they were in the game and felt pretty good that they were going to find a way to win this game, whether it was going to be three to two, maybe having to get an empty netter if they got lucky, making it four to two. It just didn't seem like the Blue Jackets were going to score again. It seemed like the Devils had finally got it. And it was just a bad turnover. And really, I do have to uh, criticize Scott Wedgwood. He should have stopped that puck. That really wasn't a shot that was super hard to make. I think he should have shot that. I think he should have been able to save that. Maybe it just caught him by surprise because Jenner was able to get the puck and actually be able to whack it at the net. But nonetheless, I think that um, Scott Wedgwood should have made that save and got himself that and prevented the Blue Jackets from scoring. But, you know, all in all, it was just a bad turnover, a bad goal to give up. And as a result, the Blue Jackets tied the game up at three. And that's where we stood after three periods and we had to go to overtime. And the Devils had a couple of solid opportunities, particularly at the end there. Uh, a nice pass on the far side to Dougie Hamilton twice on one-timers. But Corpusalo continuing, continuing to frustrate the Devils. And even in the overtime period, the Devils were far and away the better team. And that was kind of the thing that was really, really frustrating. And if you go back to that third period, late in that third period, three minutes to go, the Devils had a five-on-three and really looked very bad on that five-on-three. I mean, that's unacceptable that they did not score or at least have maybe five six shots they should have that should have been the moment to regain the lead and put this game away but but they didn't and you look at it second period devils outshot columbus 12 to 7 third period devils outshot columbus 14 to 3 one of those three shots went in for columbus and the devils outshot 
uh, Columbus four to three in overtime, and they finished up outshooting thirty nine to twenty six. The Devils played one of their best games offensively. They had a lot of really good opportunities, but there were some chances that they could not cash in, and that was really the frustrating part. They allowed Columbus to hang around and be able to come back and tie this game. And turnovers uh, really just kind of hurt the Devils all in all. Um, but nobody scored in the, in the overtime, so we had to go to the dreaded shootout. And I hate to say this, guys, because we had just talked about it in the Pittsburgh game. The Devils are just not good on shootouts. It doesn't matter who's on the ice. It doesn't matter who the coach is. The Devils have just for years been so bad at shootouts that my initial reactions all the time is that the Devils are not going to win in the shootout, that they're going to end up losing it. Um, and that's unfortunately what happened. It ended up having to go to, to round six. Uh, Brett, Dougie Hamilton and Mercer went for the Devils, did not score. Uh, Bjork Strain and Patrick Liney both went and did not score. But then it was Jakub Boracek, who has a 30% conversion rate when it comes to shootouts, which is pretty solid. He went from his forehand to his backhand, catching Wedgwood down on all fours, top shelf, and he scores. And the Blue Jackets come back to win this game by the score of four to three. And it, like I said, it was a very, very frustrating loss considering that the Devils had this game, they by all rights should have won it and they should have, they should have won it in regulation. Um, it, it's one of those losses where you know that the Devils were the better team and they outplayed them and, and just things did not go the way that they were hoping. But there were spurts in this game where the Devils just didn't look good and allowed Columbus to get going. And that was kind of the frustrating thing. The good news about it is that the Devils still get a point. So that's three out of a possible four on the weekend. So it's still a really, really good weekend. Um, but obviously, you would have liked to have gotten that win to move to five and two before you go on that three-game um, West Coast trip. So with the win, the Columbus Blue Jackets move to five and three on the year. With the shootout loss, the Devils now drop their record to four, two, and one. But still, guys, you have to look at it. You have to try to look at it from the positive and say, you know what? Again, three out of four points is not that. It is really, really good. Um, you know, getting a big victory on the road uh, the night before, um, still getting a point here at home is solid. But you obviously, like I said, would have preferred to get that second point and get the win, considering that in many ways you earned it and you deserved it from the way that they played. Uh, so Columbus got, got a little lucky, but that's just how hockey goes. But nonetheless, it's solid. So now the Devils head to the West Coast, which is probably the earliest I think the Devils have ever had to go to the West Coast. They're going to go to California. They're going to play three games, first against Anaheim on Tuesday. Uh, then they go to Los Angeles and play the Kings on Friday. And then the very next day, they're in San Jose against the Sharks on Saturday the 6th. And then they come home after that. Um, those three games. So they have a three-game West Coast trip. The first two games, Anaheim and LA, will be on ESPN Plus and ESPN Plus only. I just want to mention that. So you won't be able to watch it on MSG. It won't be on MSG Plus or anything like that. The only way you're going to be able to watch these games is on ESPN Plus. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the situation that we're in. But the Devils will be back on MSG Plus for the third and final game of the road trip in San Jose against the Sharks. Um, all three of these games, um, actually, the game against the Anaheim Ducks will be at 10 p.m. Eastern. And then both the games against the Kings and Sharks will be at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. So 
all in all, it was a very, very productive weekend, um, better than some weekends that we've had in the past. Again, you would have liked to have gotten that second point in the win and moved to five and two. But four, two and one so far is a really solid start considering some of the situations that we've dealt with already. And now we have our first legit road trip of the year. And we'll see if the Devils can go over to the West Coast and have some success and come back to Jersey with a couple more victories.